Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations 2, or 1.5, or 2. This ties into the last episode. I don't think you need to listen to the first one to understand what we're talking about here, but the first one was about the 1904 Summer Olympics. Uh, Just real quick, if you didn't hear it, the first thing that that promoter who didn't know what the fuck he was doing did was to make sure to book beautiful Jim Key, who is a uh, who is known as the smartest horse on earth. They also called him the most wonderful horse who ever lived. This was like a traveling road act that was massively popular. It was like EDM for 1904. People would go to these things and lose their fucking minds. Just be like, oh my god, the horse is smart like a man! <laughs> They loved it. They absolutely loved it. So, in the last episode, if you listen to it, I was a bit of a negative Nancy when I read that. I was like, I was a little bit... I mean, honestly, if you listen back, I just said 100% they were just beating the shit out of that horse trying to teach it English, right? Well, this is when I went and did a little digging. So, episode two is going to be about beautiful Jim Key, smartest horse on earth. And we're actually going to look into it. It's not just going to be my stance of like, that's definitely animal abuse to make him spell the president's name. It's 1904. There's no way that people treat horses nicely. That's what I was thinking. It also tied in with like, I don't know, early magic, the illusion. Anyway, so episode two is going to be about this horse. Now looking into it, there's a lot to this horse. This horse was super popular. It had like, it has so much literature about it. It's like people made a behind the music smartest horse on earth as soon as this thing died they love this thing oh my god all right so we're gonna i'm gonna give you the backstory of the trainer first okay so the guy who owned jim key was a black dude named bill key right so again it's 1904 black dude owns a horse that can speak english how did we get here he got to go back to pre-civil war bill key was a child slave uh, in uh, a house under a master, but the master was known for being very kind. I'm not making this up. This is how this is how they say Jim Key learned to speak English. This is how they say a horse learned learned man intelligence. Right? Okay. So you got to go all the way back. So it starts with a child slave in a like plantation in Tennessee. Right, and so allegedly the slave master was like so nice, just showed him so much kindness, like sent him to school, treated him like one of the sons. And in all the literature, you're supposed to look it up and be like, "Oh, that's nice, dude. That's a good slave owner." But then, like, you hear yourself say "good slave owner," and you're like, "I don't know about this story." That's uh, I'm not sure if this all adds up, right? But either way, all right. So Bill Key, child slave, getting raised nice by a slave master. Slave Master finds out that Bill Key is really good with horses and gives him the job of, like, horse whisperer on the plantation compound area. Still a slave. Still weird. Real weird. But this is where he learns how to, like, hang out with horses. So, allegedly, the story is the same kindness that the Slave Master showed Bill. Bill then showed the horses. And that's why he was so good at being the Caesar Milan of horses and that's what he was known for, right? So Civil War happens. Bill Key 
who's now the horse whisperer, he's kind of doing his thing, he goes to fight for the South, which sounds bad on paper. All right, he went to go fight in the South because he had brothers of the slave master who were going to go fight in the South, and he wanted to protect his brothers. Also, he if he felt for the South, he could smuggle a bunch of slaves over the over the line into freedom, and so that's what he was doing, right? He was doing so much of that that he gets caught. He gets captured by the North and is called a traitor. He's charged with treason, and he's going to be executed. He's in a prison in the North, and out of nowhere, he just starts cooking delicious food. The guy can cook. And it's the Civil War, so it's like, you're either going to eat your shoes, or something that's got bugs on it, or this dude we caught, who was fighting for the South, but he was really just running a bunch of, like, he's just freeing a bunch of slaves, like an awesome dude. You know, he's just doing a good thing. Also, I hear he's good with horses, but goddamn, can he cook, right? So he doesn't get executed, because he knows how to cook. And then once they're like, oh, well, this dude can cook well, he's also like, hey, I can play the shit out of some cards. You guys want to learn how to play cards? And the people holding him in the north were like, yeah, we're so bored. You, you can cook and you know cards? You, I'm so sorry we said that treason thing. Let's just hang out and play cards for the rest of the war. So they do that. They hang out and they just play cards. Civil War ends. Bill Key has a good amount of money that he has clipped off these guards and anybody else he plays cards with because he taught them how to play cards. So it's like if you teach somebody how to play Mario Kart, you're still going to be able to beat the shit out of them even if even if they get really good at Mario Kart. You still know what you taught them how to hit that shoulder button and, and slip around, dude. It's fine. <laughs> so he, he makes a bunch of money and goes back to the South. The South is fucked up. South took a beating. So he goes down to the South... The plantation he lived at in Tennessee was, like, pretty fucked up, and his master doesn't own it anymore, and he's like, hey, thanks for raising me nice, I'm gonna buy this back for you, here's your house back, dude. Guy's like, oh, that's really nice of you. But Bill Key's like, I can't hang out, though, I got plans, I'm gonna go, I believe he went to Chattanooga, and then he sets up a racetrack, bar, restaurant, hotel, horse hospital. He must have won so much money off those guards. That's a that's a huge that's like a horse Disneyland. So Bilky takes his poker winnings from the Civil War, buys a horse Disneyland, but he doesn't have any horses. He doesn't have any good horses. But he wants to make the best racing horse Tennessee's ever seen. Right? So that's his dream. And he's got enough money, he's got the whole he got fucking Epcot of ponies going, so why not? So he goes out to an auction, he's like, I gotta buy a lady horse to breed with a man horse, and then make my dream horse. This feels like it's all working out. So he goes to an auction, and there's an Egyptian circus horse, a lady Egyptian circus horse that's old and super fucked up. Everybody at the auction is like, that horse stinks. We don't want, what do you want that horse for? What, who's going to buy that fucking thing? I'll tell you who buys it. Fucking Bill Key. <laughs> Poker winnings, Bill Key, only black dude in the room. They put this circus horse up, and they're like, does anybody want this thing? And he's like, I'll pay 40 bucks for that thing. I feel like that that's a good horse. I'm going to take it home. You guys are already talking shit on me, because I'm like the only black dude here, and it's 19-0-whatever. Actually, he bought it in like 18. This is a long period of time. He didn't teach it English or anything yet. He's like, you're already going to make fun of me. I'm going to buy this horse that you guys think is shitty, but I think it's pretty good. So he buys this Egyptian horse, brings it back, to horse MGM 
attraction theme park that he has. It is an incredible facility for raising horses, apparently. So he buys the lady horse, gets made fun of at the auction. He's like, fuck all that, don't worry about it. Goes back to Horse Epcot, and he's like, alright, we need a man horse, what's going on here? Gets in touch with the dude who owns the best racing horse in Tennessee. His name was, uh, Tennessee Volunteer was the name of the horse. They breed the circus horse that that uh, Bill bought for 40 bucks, and then they build with the best racing horse in Tennessee, and then the horse that comes out is terrible. Not a good horse. Comes out, people are like, that thing, I gotta tell you, I'm not, I'm not saying it. Everybody's like, Bill, I like you, but I'm just not, I like that you took a gamble on the circus horse idea, but this is not, this is not a racehorse champ. This is a bad one. I mean, definitely hang out with it, but I'm not saying it. That's what everybody says to him, right? Bill's like, thank you for your opinion. I own Horse Disneyland. I'm going to hang out with this thing, ride all the rides with it. I'm going to make it love me. I love it. And then we'll see where it goes. That's what he does. He starts sleeping in the same stable with this Horse that's not great. We'll call it like the Forrest Gump of horses. This is an early Forrest Gump horse where he's still got like the metal on his legs and people are like, boo, you know, not Shrimpo Forrest yet, but we'll get there. We're at like, boo, getting chased by a car Forrest. My mom's fucking the principal to get me in the regular school because she loves me so much. Bill Key would have done that for this horse, 100%. So Bill Key's training this horse. They go through years. And eventually, the kindness, and this is the narrative that you find on all the stories about how this horse learned how to speak English, is that they say the key to him learning English was kindness, was Bill's patience and kindness in teaching him how to spell English, how to do a number of other tricks. But early on, they don't say that like, oh, the horse just learned English and math. It went to like people school. Like, they kind of admit that, like, oh, Bill was training it to do bits on, like, a vaudeville-type stage to be able to take him on the road and sell this lintiment that was, like, some sort of, I don't know, opium powder. Not opium, but, like, it was one of those, like, elixirs from back then that was medicinal. So whatever was in that is, I mean, useless is best-case scenario. Usually they had a lot of, I mean, opium and put coke in those things and... I mean, but it's it was popular. I mean, if you're going to legally sell morphine and nobody knows it's bad for you, that shit's going to sell, right? So Bill Key, his eventual plan was teach this thing some tricks, bring the horse out, call it smart, sell these people opium, opium elixirs, whatever. Don't, but you don't know it's opium elixirs. just like, this is great. This is really popular soda. There's no evil in any of this. Bill is just like, this will be my thing to sell this with. I got the thing to sell it with. I've been sleeping in the barn for nine years with it. I feel like it can speak a little English. Let's go ahead and book some road gigs. All right, so he built some road gigs, and it, by 1897, Jim Key, which is the, the horse that he's been training and sleeping and all this stuff with for nine years, who is the son horse of the circus horse and Tennessee volunteer, who is the best racing horse in Tennessee, now goes on the road and Jim Key and Bill Key, the human who also sells Lintimit, they crush on the road. They do like the uh, the southern, they do like a southern run, and they are selling out. They are 
crushing on the road. The road numbers are insane. Doing a ton of urban rooms and just just boom, boom, selling that liniment, right? So then a guy from the north hears about this guy who's killing like arena gigs out of nowhere in the south. And he's like, I got to see this fucking horse. What is going on down here? So he comes down. More or less this like agent or manager type figure comes down from the north with a bunch of money. He's like, hey, I hear what you're doing down here. Here it's popular. Love that. Can I buy this horse off you for $10,000? And Bill Key's like, no. This is like my friend. You can't buy my friend. I can't. And $10,000 was a ton of money. It was so much money. It, before 1900, just 10,000 cash was a... But I don't know how much they were making on the road. That might have been nothing compared to the road numbers. But anyway, so the guy from the north comes down, offers him 10 grand. Phil's like, no, I can't do that. But I like that you're interested. It feels good in my heart that you like what I'm doing. You want to run a partnership? We could like, you could help me book this out. We can make money on the road. I'll give you a percentage. What do you think? Manager guy's like, excellent. Can't wait. I got all these other rooms up north you can do. I got all this stuff. I got business connections. We're going to make so much money. Sorry if it offended you. I tried to buy that horse, but it's just like I didn't even really know how cool you were. I just wanted to buy the horse, but now I find out that you're cool. So, like, we could just run this, honestly. Don't take offense about me coming down just trying to buy your your best friend horse off you. I like what we're doing. I feel like we got a future. More or less, that's what happened. So, Jim Key starts hitting the road big time all over. All over. And at this point in time, America is as big as it is, but nothing's going on in the West. So he just moves from South to North, does a bunch of New England rooms and stuff, gets wildly popular. The newspapers love beautiful Jim Key. And in the idea that, like, kindness is kind of coming back into a thing that people don't really understand, they want to, like, try to emphasize it more because there is a... The industrialization of America sort of has a dehumanizing effect on people as individuals because the labor pool was exploited to such a degree that kindness was sort of seen as like, Oh, that's a, it's a great commodity. It was like a feel good story that like kindness is so powerful. This horse can now speak English. Also, have you had some of this liniment? It's fucking good. It's just a great feel good story. So the newspapers pick it up. They love him, right? So 1901 Harvard scientists hear about this horse and Harvard scientists are like, we got to figure out what's going on here. If there's a way that animals can talk and this man's found a way to tap into animal intelligence, there may be a hidden well of animal intelligence we don't know about. So first thing we got to do is verify this horse is legit, and then we're going to move from there. We're real excited about this. Let's take a look at this horse. So Harvard scientists get this horse in a room, and they do their best of like uh, making sure that it can't be tricks. It wasn't really specified how, but... They would, uh, they would put a sheet up in between him and Bill. They would make sure that there's nobody in the back signaling the horse. Any sort of magician tricks that were common for like any sort of animal act, they understood and they tried to get a hold of. They test beautiful Jim Key as, I'll call him beautiful Bill Key, the owner, because of his kindness, certainly a beautiful man. It was right next to him doing the test with him. Jim Key crushes, no problem. No problem. Harvard scientists are like, this is incredible. This horse, this horse knows how to count to 25. This horse can spell. This horse knows the full alphabet, can spell words, can count to 25. And then his closer, 
was that he would take a silver dollar or a silver half dollar out of a jug of water with his mouth. That was the closer. And I didn't know anything about horses, but apparently that's not... Horses don't do that shit. I don't really know. To me, that seems like the least impressive intelligent thing, is that you can get a horse to dunk its big head and pick out pick out a coin. I mean, honestly, the numbers thing is way more important, as far as I'm concerned. I, he couldn't do algebra, but any sort of math, that's... That's really impressive. He could also write his name, but they kind of opened with that. They used to have, like, um, their opener bit was, uh, they'd ask, if are you a populist? Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Are you? And they would have Jim Key. Jim Key would make a noise every time. He'd be like, populist. He'd be like, no. Like, Democrat. Like, ta, 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 no. Right? And at the end, he would laugh hard when they would say Democrat, because I guess that was the most unpopular party at the time or like it would get the biggest crowd response if you made the horse laugh at that point in time and then after that the horse would go and pick up a thing of chalk and then write its name Jim with the joke being that like he's an individual he votes for himself but that was their opener but apparently that doesn't hold a coin or hold a candle to making that horse suck a coin out of a jug with its teeth which I guess would be cool to see but I feel like I would, I would be more of a fan of the middle part of the show if you really made me have to guess. Anyway, so now they're proven by Harvard scientists. They're fine. They're picking up coins. They're killing it. And this is when the 1904 World's Fair slash Olympics comes in. This is the event that I talked about in the first episode. The 1904 World's Fair slash Olympics was supposed to just be a World's Fair and the Olympics were supposed to be in Chicago. But the booker of the World's Fair slash it was the Louisiana Centennial Anniversary Party was in St. Louis and leveraged the Olympics away from Chicago so that he could throw the Olympics at the same time he was throwing his like incredible FYE Festival of Technology. So again, the first thing he does, he's going to book Jim Key. Jim Key sells out. He builds a theater that is a 10,000 seat theater in St. Louis in the same place where he's building all the Olympic stuff, it's not used for anything except for this horse to do gigs at. This horse is selling out 10,000 people a night at the Olympics, crushing. They bring in a team of 6th graders as they're like, this is the big test. It's the 1904 Olympics slash World Fair. Let's put this horse up against some 6th graders. I don't know where they got the 6th graders from, but I am inclined to think that they were actually not dumb 6th graders because school back then, you actually had to learn everything. There weren't cell phones to look stuff up. So these are probably actually decently smart 6th graders. And Jim Key battles them to a draw, which then puts him on the same level of intelligence as a 6th grader, according to the newspapers, who were going to run this story either way. They get a draw. They go nuts. Jim Key's never been more popular. He ties with a bunch of 6th graders. They love him. This works out great for Jim. So I did some digging into how this could be done. How it's been done, horse training in general, what's going on here. All right, and I actually, I was pretty interested in what I found. Right, So the way that horses learn, and, the, and this has been found out, a lot later on. And it actually kind of solves what was going on with Jim Key. So horses 
are incredibly perceptive with body language of humans. And it turns out to a point that we don't really understand, uh, or we didn't back then. It's really uh, incredible power of observation and then reading emotional uh, body language. They can identify faces as angry or upset, and it correlates directly into their heartbeat. And it's not like a face on a body. One of the experiments they did, they just held up different faces on giant cue cards in front of the horse and then had it hooked up to a ho- like a heart monitor to see where its stress levels would go. So horses are incredibly perceptive as far as their physical environment around them. With body language, especially being with humans, right? But here's the problem, that horses learn in a task or in, it just they only use trial and error. This has been determined that horses can only learn and retain activities through trial and error. So every activity they learn is one specific thing. Like if it's a latch holding them into a pen, they'll spend a long time fucking around with that latch. And eventually they'll understand every piece of that latch. And although it may take them a long time to get it the first time or the fifth time, by like the eighth or eleventh time... That horse can undo that latch as if it built that latch, and it's really impressive to see it. It it masks itself as a mechanical understanding of that mechanism, especially back in turn of the century, 1900, where people just assume horses were dumb the same way that if you drive a Honda Civic, you wouldn't call that car smart. They're just horses were just cars, and not smart cars, just like a car from the 70s. So if you can make a pickup truck from the 70s spell the president's name kind of a similar analogous thing but that's not really a great one but yeah horses were seen as just a tool like a a piece of transportation but what bill key found out is that by spending amount of time with that horse and then having all the patience that he had to teach that horse through trial and error he had to teach all of the letters of the alphabet through trial and error all of the numbers 1 through 25 through trial and error he had to teach He had to ask the thing endless questions that that horse would get wrong and then eventually would get right. And while this is happening, the horse is taking in all of this knowledge as if it's working on a latch for each individual question. But it's still taking in this knowledge. So the amount of mistakes and the reason that Bill had to sleep for like seven to nine years in that pen with that horse trying to make it do stuff but and just failure day after day after day but still trying to teach it something every day and then uh, groom an emotional bond at night by sleeping in the pen with it, he would teach each one of those things individually. So when you put all that together on a vaudeville act that has a lot of news press behind it that says this is a really smart horse, now it's 1900 and you don't even understand. You, the concept of a smart horse is super foreign to you anyway. You don't know. Like, what are you talking about? A smart horse. You have no faith going into this thing, so you have really low expectations of what a horse can do. And because Bill Key spent all that time teaching it all the various tricks, you don't see all of the failure behind closed doors. It's just a finely polished stage act that you don't understand as an audience member. Because it is incredible. So we find out, modern science has determined that what happened was that the body language or the ability of a horse, especially a fairly intelligent horse emotionally, because apparently horse intelligence runs the spectrum from like 
uh, aggressive, domineering to like soft and uh, empathetic and much better at perceiving the world around it. Like there's a spectrum of horse intelligence, right? So what apparently happened is that Jim Key came out of being bred by that circus horse and race horse and came out with its mom's brain and its dad's body because eventually as it was older, it did become a very beautiful horse, hence beautiful Jim Key. Like Forrest didn't always have those metal things on his fucking legs. Eventually Forrest Gump runs fast enough away from those racist kids and they snap off. Same thing happened to beautiful Jim Key, but he just ended up hot and Forrest Gump ended up looking like Tom Hanks, which isn't bad. You know, he looked all right in the uniform, but it's not a, you wouldn't call him beautiful Tom Hanks, but Jim Key ended up being beautiful too. The reason that the horse learning was, was really interesting to me to figure out is that when I pl- I played piano as a boy, right? I played for three years and I was maybe the worst piano player of all time practicing because I'd, I'd never understood that the music, the mu- okay, so if you're playing a piano, you have sheet music in front of your face. It's white, it's got notes on it and lines. You're supposed to be able to look at that And then your brain understands that each one of those notes represents a key on the piano that then is supposed to travel from your eyes into your brain down to one of your hands, and then one of your fingers hits that key. That's how you're supposed to read music and be able to play music. That's how you could be able to slide in different pieces of music once you have the comprehension of how to play piano. And better or worse, you can understand what you're supposed to play, and then you practice to hone your uh the ability for your brain to be able to talk to your hands at the right speed to be able to play the music correctly but once you learn piano and understand that system you should be able to understand different types of music and depending on your mechanical skill be able to play them in a certain amount of time when i took piano i didn't know any of that i didn't know any of that i had one piece of music like the easiest pieces of music i couldn't Dude, I couldn't stunt on hot cross buns. Just hot cross buns, hot cross buns. That's just like bum, bum, bum. But I was guessing at everything. I didn't understand the concept of looking at the music and that means something. I had this nice old lady piano teacher next to me. And then I would always say I have a headache or something. And then so she would play it with her hands at the same time, an octave or two higher. And I would just use my my little boy eyes to look at her old hands and then make my hands do the same thing. So I played piano like I was dumb like a horse is what I've learned here. I played piano like Jim Key would play piano if he had hands. That's why I was so bad. But also, silver lining, when it was recital time, I was like one of the only kids who didn't use sheet music. When I came up and got, I was in like a little blue tuxedo boy suit. And all I knew was the one song I had. I remember it happened two years, two years straight. People were like, he's really good at piano. Oh my God. So I had no sheet music and I knew it all just memorized in my head. You could have blindfolded me. I would have, I would have done it because I learned it like a horse would learn it. I'm not a good piano player at that point. I'm just up there doing a horse trick and killing. I remember, <laughs> I remember being in that church and like banging out a nutcracker suite, like the little drama queen boy I was just like rocking my head back and forth with like dun, 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 dun. so I could see how adults were like tricked into being like wow this guy's this guy's a musical prodigy here this is this guy's great but really 
however many years later, now I've learned what that actual, what I was actually doing and how I was learning. So I was learning like a horse. They were watching a man do a horse trick. They were watching a little boy do a horse trick. They were watching a pony do a trick. <laughs> and that's, and that's beautiful Jim Key. That is the story of beautiful Jim Key. And it's just a feel-good story. Nothing ha- the, nothing bad happens to the horse. Live out a life. I think it dies around like 1909 or something like that. Jim Key, well-liked, massively popular and rich. You mean, you talk about a success story. The guy went from a slave before the Civil War, found his way through that, used poker winnings to build a horse Disneyland, bought a horse regardless of what people thought about him in the room, was just like, I oh, fucked that. I'm giving that. Give me that horse. Give me that horse. I'll make something out of it. Made a wildly popular intelligent horse out of it because he just he just trial and errored himself into making a horse that was spectacular to people i mean jim key's impressive but bill key pulling that off in the era that he pulled that off is really really impressive to me i feel like am i leaving anything out no i covered the thing Oh, there's a name for it. I'm sorry. I wrote this down because I thought I'd I'd, uh, I'd forget it, and I did. Okay, so the the name there's uh, okay. So the reason why Jim Key, one of the reasons why the idea of a horse being intelligent would grab people's attention and they wouldn't just say "fuck off" right away, is that phrenology was becoming popular right around this time in America. So phrenology, I believe it's a Roots album, but also. It's the, the science of people's heads dictate what type of intelligence they have. Now, this would go on to be debunked and also lead to terrible race science by a number of regimes in the future. Uh, you know, not so good come out of that. But it did help Jim Key become popular at the time because people would look at a horse head and be like, God damn, that horse head is huge, man. There has got to be so much going on in there, but we don't know how to get to it. We just don't, it's that, that horse head is, it's so, it's the size of a chair. It's so, that's a huge head. There's got to be so much smart in there, but we just don't know how to bring it out yet because phrenology was popular. And so then when the idea of a, a horse that thinks like a man or the smartest horse on earth comes into your town and that's already a popular thing that's been circulated in newspapers, pop culture and popular science theory, you'll go. And then you're already predisposed to believe it because you kind of want to believe in something. Why not? And actually, so we found out, as of now, modern science has found out that what Jim Key was doing was reading the subtle body language off of Bill Key, even during the Harvard test. But Bill Key's not responsible for this. He didn't know what was going on. Bill Key didn't understand that the horse was so perceptive that it was getting the correct answers off of his minute changes in body language that he couldn't help. Like he would try to not do it. And the, the horse would still perceive it because it was that intelligent of a horse emotionally as a, in regards to being around people. There was a German horse that did a similar thing called Hans. Um, that was a little bit before his time. And actually Hans got debunked while Jim Key was becoming popular. And so then that's why they tried to debunk Jim Key too, but it just didn't work. The Harvard scientists couldn't do it. Uh, but yeah, so the horse called Hans made this popular a little bit earlier with leaving, uh, reading body language. 
And so then that's why there's a thing called the clever Hans effect in psychology or sociology now. It's an actual term called the clever Hans effect where you're giving off unintentional cues with your body language that you can't control and you don't know you're doing, but they're giving other people information that you don't know that you're giving them. And that, I mean, there's the first example I could think of is when I started working on cars, I didn't even understand the things I were do I was doing and how I was moving and how I was touching things and putting things back. It was all unintentional cues to anybody else I was working with that. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> I was clever Hans and myself with uh with just trying to work a job and you could if you're anybody who's like technically skilled in any sort of field i feel like if you see somebody who starts uh brand new in that field and you've already become somebody who's technically proficient i think you'd understand what i'm talking about where like if somebody puts something back in a way that's strange or the way that they'll put something aside and then work on something else or the way they don't maximize their time when something's happening all of those are things that somebody who's skilled in the technical proficiency you have would know if they've been in the industry for a while. And because of that, that person is clever Hans in himself and giving himself away as like sort of a rube in the industry. Not a good or a bad thing, just you can identify as somebody who's been around for a while doing this job that this guy is not on the same skill level as somebody that you could count on as a veteran or uh, somebody who could be relied upon to be able to get them the same amount of work that you can get done in a given trade or job or industry. So that's it. That's beautiful Jim Key. We went from a horse that I was just dumb and was like, I bet they beat that thing. Then we went all the way down. We learned about horse intelligence. We ended up on a psychological term, the clever Hans effect. Look at this. I'll tell you what, we're learning, I mean... This, this doesn't sound like learning. I just want it to be low-pressure information. If you like it, cool. If not, I totally understand. But this this horse intelligence stuff. And then I found out how I played piano as a kid. Dumb like a horse, you know what I'm saying? That's great. Look at this. Moving on. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode two. Beautiful Jim Key. Thanks very much. I'll talk to you guys later on.